Hi, everyone. We are your K-Pop Sundays. And this is the year 2022. However, the episode you're about to listen to was recorded in 2019. We are in the process of remastering our first season because we've changed quite a bit since then and grown a lot. And we want to reflect that in our past work, too. We hope you enjoy and thanks for listening. Welcome, this is K-Pop Sunday, brought to you by K-Pop Sunday, before you have to go back to work on Monday. We are your hosts, Onyx, Min, and JR. Hi, welcome to our K-Pop podcast. We're gonna release episodes, hopefully, twice a month. With the first episode being a bit more lighthearted, while the second one will be more information for you. Today's topic is, how did we even get into K-Pop? Because that's a pretty weird thing to get into. Shall we start? Yeah, I'll start us off. Essentially, in high school, I had a friend and he got me into anime. And I was kind of going off of his recommendations most of the time. And then I started venturing into other anime that I thought I would like a little bit more. And then I came across Boys Over Flowers. Possibly the worst anime I have ever watched. It was it was rough, but after finishing it, I found out that there was a live action version. And I had watched live action adaptions of anime before, but that was actually Japanese, and this was Korean, so that was quite different for me. And while I would say the drama is better than the anime, it was shocking to me finding out that that was like the gateway drug for a lot of people that Boys Over Flowers was the one that got people into K-dramas, because I was like, this is kind of not good. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It it also did it for me, so I can't really say much about that. But yeah, so the whole concept of OSTs, I feel like it's not very common in America to have three or four songs that would constantly play throughout a TV show. And so I thought it was kind of cool that they did have songs that were reoccurring. And one of them was Shiny Stand By Me. And I really liked it. And every time it came on, I was like, oh, I really like this song. I have no clue what it is. I can't, at that point, I couldn't read Korean. I didn't understand it at all. So I tried Googling it and I remember it was kind of a struggle to find it because I wasn't sure of what to look for because I couldn't, there was no way for me to like sound out lyrics or anything like that. But eventually I found it and I was like, oh, this is interesting. And it opened up a whole new world (laughs) for me. Yeah. Shiny was pretty much my first group that I ever got into. And I just, I loved everything. I loved their old stuff. I loved their new stuff. When I got into K-pop, View was their newest release. Oh, such a good song. Right? Yeah. So I liked their kind of transformation from debut all the way up until what I had started watching. And really at the beginning, it was mostly OSTs because even to this day, I am an avid K-drama watcher. I love K-dramas. And so a lot of the shows that I would watch, it was because an actor from the previous drama was in this new drama that I was watching. And so Hmm. I watched like Playful Kiss after Boys Over Flowers because... (laughs) You have something to say about that, Onyx? (laughs) You... You had a very rocky start, though. Neither of those I are had a great. rocky start, let me tell you. Yeah. It was the and SS501 member. with it. 
Yeah, I did. The thing is, okay, Marble. after watching those two horrible ones, I saw Inspiring Generation, and I think that is some quality K-drama. But yeah, there is very much a pattern with the first K-dramas I watched. They all had the same actors in it. <laughs> what really got me, I think, like it propelled me farther than just Shiny, was watching You're Beautiful because both Yonghua from CN Blue and Hongi from FT Island was in that. And then I discovered K-Bands, and I love K-Bands. They are not as underrated, I feel like, as they used to be, because a lot of the newer ones are spreading it to the international fans. I wouldn't say that they weren't popular in Korea, because I know they were, and honestly, I can't say much about Korean popularity to begin with, but yeah, I really love FT Island. They are a big thing for me. My experience is mostly, it started with second and third generation boy groups. I feel like, I'm pretty sure I'm the resident boy group fan of the group here, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So because of that, all of the ones I like right now, they're starting to go to the army. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And it was funny because I didn't really understand the whole army process. And then I watched She Was Pretty and Shiwon from Super Junior was in that. And I remember it being a big deal that he was leaving after the drama was done. And I was like, what does this mean? (laughs) This doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) I feel like a lot of what I learned about Korea, it started obviously from K-pop. And of course, I'm not here saying you can learn everything about the culture from k-pop and k-dramas but it's a start and you know don't let anyone knock you for that (laughs) so the boy groups that i liked around that time it was like infinite newest big bang super junior b2b vix b1a4 that type of thing i still love all those groups to this day a lot of them aren't very active right now (laughs) and that's because a lot of members yeah a lot of members are starting to go to the army and i'm struggling here (laughs) yeah i feel you a lot of my favorite groups just disbanded and i was like no why yeah and disbandments oh don't get me on disbandments the worst But the longer you're in it, though, then it eventually loops back to where they're back together. It's true. (laughs) And then they're happier because they're doing their own thing on their own terms, not just what a company's dictating to them. And then they're more (laughs) honest about stuff in the past. And boy, do you get some good stuff from it. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, Super Junior right now, they're all back. And I'm just, I'm waiting for the, well, they're kind of uh, all Don't, let's not get started. (sighs) Let's not get into that. (laughs) But yeah, so following that, I got really into EXO and BTS. And I was realizing that all these groups, they're quite a bit older than me. (laughs) I know. I was like, let's let's see what the younger groups are up to these days. I got into those two and I ended up going to see EXO in Chicago in 2016. And that was incredible. It was my first real concert in a venue i had been to a lot of concerts before but they were never in a venue such as like a theater or a concert hall or anything like that so that was really cool and my older sister she came with me because none of my friends were into k-pop and she was pregnant at the time and (laughs) (laughs) so we joke that my niece's first concert was an exo concert (laughs) yeah it was it was great And following that, I got really into Monster X and Seventeen, and I still really enjoy their music to this day. Seventeen is great. I used to love Monster X when they first came out, and then I think, I don't know, their music just kind of flatlined a bit for me. Still love them. Yeah, I get that. After Drama Rama, I kind of fell back a little bit. 
I don't know. It wasn't my favorite. And I haven't really liked anything they've released since. Except for the French Montana collab. I really liked that. <laughs> yeah. And then the first group that I can say I have followed since debut, like from teasers, which I remember seeing the teasers for it. And I was like, this is the group that I am starting with for the first time. Like we are starting together type thing. Yeah. And that was NCT. I think their music for the most part has been pretty solid. Like I think The Seventh Sense, everyone talks about it being such a great debut song. Yeah. It was definitely something different. Yeah, it was so different compared to everything that I had come across up to that point. I don't want to like make a blanket statement here, but I feel like a lot of second, third generation groups, they had similar sounds at times. Yeah. And yeah, yeah and The Seventh Sense was just a whole new level and i really i really liked it so yeah i think the problem is that we have so many k-pop groups and especially towards the second third generation there just started being so many that they took inspiration from each other or from the same places that they just tried to follow away like wave of what is popular right now and oh definitely yeah that always happens yeah. with pop music and it's just tiresome when it happens i guess yeah i agree I think what really drew me into K-pop was the variety shows. The variety shows are something that I don't even know how to put it. You don't have that in America, of course. Like, it's just, it's not a thing. I mean, VH1, kind of, sometimes, but it's, it's very different. And it's so fun to watch. I've seen so many variety shows and survival shows by this point that I can't even count them. Yeah, some of my favorite was 2PM's... I, was it called The Show or just Show? 2PM Show? That one was a more recent watch, but it was hilarious. I love it. Monster X-Ray, all of them were fantastic. Seventeen's One Fine Day, the first season. The one when they threw them on an island without telling them. And they were just like, you're here now. This is not a vacation. Survive. <laughs> that was just gold. And then Weekly Idol. I know a lot of people, Weekly Idol is kind of an iffy one for them because of the past hosts <laughs> but i don't know i think that probably was the first like weekly variety show that i watched and then infinite showtime was incredible i love that one too just getting into k-pop in general kind of as like a wrapping up statement it was really weird when i was writing this kind of short summary down i was looking back at my spotify playlist because at that point i had had a spotify for not that long but they coincided, and so a lot of my playlists going forward were very K-pop heavy, and I was looking at my 2016 in K-pop, which would have been the start of the new year after I had gotten into it, and it was just all K-pop music. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is a 180. <laughs> but yeah, recently I've been really into Pentagon and, and Flying, and I know I didn't mention any girl groups i did listen to girl groups during this time but boy groups were at the forefront and nowadays i am getting a lot more into girl groups i love orange caramel and of course they're not active so <laughs> that's unfortunate yeah i've been getting into clc i love a pink there's a lot of them and yeah i really enjoy it but yeah so that was kind of what has brought me to where i am who is going next onyx you are up this will really show my age so I got into K-pop because at one point on TV, there used to be an international channel and it was called Korean Music Countdown. And basically they would show music videos that either were very popular in Korea that week or that had been requested to them. It was 
either way. So sometimes you'd see songs that were listed in the charts. They'd fallen off real-time charts in Korea. Like, they weren't being promoted anymore. So I got to see a lot of variety with that. And especially because it was when, like, I got into it around 2003. And that was when a lot of the first-generation idols, like, their groups had disbanded. And they were going into solo promotions. And the thing about that show, though, was sometimes they would give inaccurate or very biased information. For biased information, like, I remember, like, one of the first music videos I saw that made me kind of interested in K-pop was Mooney June's Silent Conflict, because I'd never been exposed to horror, and I had no interest in it, and it's like, oh, there's a bunch of computers, and a guy's getting sucked into a computer and he's in a version of hell and it was just like what is this and also like it was very eerie because parts of the song are where he goes oh well well so that really was like what is this and then i saw a cherry filter and i was aware of pop in the u.s but cherry filter is a rock band but eugene is the lead singer and i'd never seen a female recording artist who dressed like her where she wasn't wearing like short skirts short pants tight clothing she had very baggy black pants she had this long bright red jacket on and she just looked really cool and i never seen an artist who dressed like that and so i was like oh wow i really like this song and that whole album the third eye was very interesting i loved it a lot And that was actually one of the first five CDs I got of K-pop. But with that international channel, though, with the inaccurate information, like I remember when Don Monchinki debuted. And when they debuted, they were given the wrong name under like their credits. So that was the hard thing about finding K-pop back then, because this was back before YouTube existed. This was also at a time when a lot of computers, when you were trying to type in a language, it would sometimes give you like boxes with question marks in there, or like it would just give you downright gibberish. So it was very hard to search accurately, or sometimes they would translate the song wrong, which was always fun. I remember when Dumpon Chinky debuted, they called them New Generation. That was like what they claimed was like the group's name. And I remember I liked the debut song, Hug. And I really liked Jaejung. So that day I tried to look up, you know, get like the single. And it's like, there's not a group named New Generation. What are you talking about? (laughs) It's not these guys. And I was just so confused. And later they put up Dongwon Shinki. And then it was like a couple of years down the road, I found out that they went by an acronym. So it's like, oh, I was only using the long name. So I was ahead of the game on that one. Did that channel have like, was it in English or did they have subtitles or how no, did that work? No, they didn't have subtitles for music videos. When it was like songs for like music videos, they would list the credits on the left side in English. And they also, in oh. addition to that, they also had a Japanese music video countdown show. And then they had one where it was just like, there was no host for this one, but it was like a mix of Mandarin, Korean, Japanese. Like it had like all those people, all those languages, all on one show of different music videos. And I didn't really know the difference back then. The only time that they would have subtitles, like they would also have like news programs as well. And I wouldn't, you know, be able to understand it. Except when I started studying Japanese though, it's like, oh, I can read some hiragana. But then if they would have like a drama they would have English subtitles. Like I watched Rooftop, Roomcat, and like two others on there. And those were fun. But generally though, there was like no translations for anything. It's like you're just watching it. And if the show had a host who spoke English, that'd be nice. But that wasn't very common. Yeah. And the other thing though, that this will make you guys laugh. 
this was in the days, obviously, before YouTube and stuff like that. So if I wanted to listen to something over again, I would take a VCR tape and I would record the episodes. So <laughs> that's why certain groups or artists really stick with me. Because it's like, I remember you because I saw you so many times. Because that was the only way I could see you. Because at one point, the channel went off the air. So I'm like, well, I still have these VHS tapes. And so I started writing down artists. And in that time period, the only way I could actually get music or anything like that or posters would be through Yes Asia. And that's also where like I bought dramas. So like my first five albums that I got from that were Turtles, their second album, Cherry Filter, The Third Eye, One Time, Once and For All, Lisa Young, The Classics, and Lexi's Luxury, which was a really, like, all of them were, like, really good albums. So that was, like, a really good start. And so then when I was still in middle school, I took the bus to school. I would just, like, put in the CDs, and then I would have people listen to them. But unfortunately, because that was also the time before MP3 players, when you've got friends who borrow your music, especially back then with CDs, it'd be returned with some of the cover art missing or the CD case would be cracked. They'd be scratches on the CD. And so I don't have any of my old CDs anymore just because like there have been some of them that are just like so wrecked to where like you can't possibly listen to them. I was really sad when that happened to the Cherry Filter album because... One of my favorite tracks on there was Snowman. It's a ballad, but it's really pretty. And it was just so wrecked that it's like, oh. But luckily, though, now iTunes does have music like that. But back in the day, though, if your CD was broken, you were screwed because generally, yes, Asia would sell out of it and you'd just be, well, then that's it. And the other group that I was really interested in was JTL. So as you can see where this is going, I didn't discover YouTube until about like I knew about YouTube and like I knew a lot of stuff from it but I didn't really know that there was like a k-pop stuff on there so I went to college and then a friend of mine she was really into DBSK and so then she was like showing me all this stuff she was really into Big Bang showing me all this stuff and then I was watching one of the DBSK dramas because they had a couple of interesting ones but there was this one where Changmin was singing an old song from H.O.T. And I was like, that sounds really pretty. I want to hear the original. And I look it up. And what do you know? Like, I was looking at all the members. I'm like, these guys seem familiar. And I don't know why. And then eventually I come to find out that Mooney Jun, Kangta, and JTL were all in a group at once. And it was just such a shock for me. Because I had no <laughs> idea. I loved them all independently. That is so great. It's like an Avengers, basically. Just like shock of finding out that, yes, they were all together at one point. That was awesome. YouTube and music sites were how I found out music for a long time. Like I had a couple friends who were interested in K-pop when I was in college, but mainly how I find out about stuff now is from men. How I find out from K-pop is mainly through men, just because she knows how to find stuff everywhere. She was the one who found Walworthy, who are like my favorites right now. (laughs) If Turtles was still around... They would love Walwari and they would try to collab with them. And they're they're just so positive. We're like, Nora Joe, which is, I can't stop listening to them right now. Yeah, so I'm old. And also it changes over time how you discover stuff. Because I went from cable to the internet. General, like where you can buy hard copies of albums to YouTube, then news sources, then friends listening to stuff. So it's it's changed over the years in how you discover music, which we'll get into on another podcast. I think that maybe the next one we'll talk about that, how discovering music changes and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of topics we should talk about. <laughs> 
We've got so many documents going. We are the paperwork crew. We've got so much papers. <laughs> my god, we have a lot of Google Docs. Oh my. So, Min, how did you get into K-pop? Like, what was the the avenue that got you into it? Yes, I got into K-pop somewhere between 2007 and 2009. It was probably in 2007, but I can't remember it because... 2007 was the year of me figuring out what anime was by complete <laughs> accident. Like, I had watched Pokemon and Digimon was probably the only animes I'd watched before knowing they were animes. Same with, like, Beyblade. Oh! Not the first Yu-Gi-Oh! But, like, a reboot Yu-Gi-Oh! that came super late. But not the original Yu-Gi-Oh! because that didn't go on TV here. So yeah. Also, I'm not from America. We haven't talked about this, but I'm from <laughs> Norway. Onyx and JIR are from the States. Yep. Yes, yes. Yes. So yeah, I was browsing the internet, like you do, and was on some Norwegian old social networking thing. And I just came across a group on that social network that was called... Naruto. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> so I figured out there was a thing you could watch, so I started watching it on YouTube because I found the two first seasons on YouTube and I was like, I kinda like this. But this is also kinda dumb. And then I figured out you can read it. And then I started reading the Naruto manga and I legit continued reading it for years until it was finished. Like, I was up to date with it for many years. <laughs> it's kind of a nerd. So through Naruto and through the flow song, which is called Go, but everybody knows it as Fighting Dreamers, I started listening to Japanese music, started watching more anime, came across the anime Lucky Star, which is great. And I'm so sad that their studios burned down. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there were the Kyoto studios. That was the one, yeah. Yeah, they made Lucky Star and K-On, I think, which was... K-On is my favorite music-related anime ever. Probably just because of nostalgia. It's not really that good, but I still love it. <laughs> and yeah, I started listening to Japanese music and, of course, started trying to learn the Lucky Star dance and the Hadahara Yukai from the melancholy of Harui Susumaya, which is such a long name for an anime. And yeah, started dancing, and then I was like, oh, what is this in the related videos on YouTube? And came across more idol groups, like all of the Hello Project groups, such as Morning in Musume, and Berries Kubo? Kobo? Berries. They're great. I love them. And cute. Cute is also great. So through Japanese music, I stumbled upon Korean music because they would be lumped together. I think some of the first songs I heard was from BOA and TVXQ or DBSK. I was so confused. I did not realize that TVXQ and DBSK were the same group, yeah. just under different names because they were releasing in Korean and Japanese. That took me years to realize. <laughs> Same. <laughs> TVXQ is actually Chinese. Yeah. Their names are dumb. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love them. Yeah. So yeah, I got into K-pop through anime. 
back in the late 2000s, I would burn CDs. Because <laughs> totally legal, I promise. <laughs> so in one of the oldest of my old burned CDs, I know that TVXQ's Rising Sun was on it. So that must be one of the really old songs I loved. Because that song is great. Same with Boa's You Two Up, which is also great. I really? love that song. That was that was your Boa song. I'm really? sorry. It's great. She made it in English too, which was kind of a flop, but it was great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I didn't actively get into K-pop groups. Like I know, Twenty One made their debut not long after I started listening to K-pop, and I think I found them around. The time they released Can't Nobody, because they also released an English version of that song, which was pretty good. And I didn't realize that they were an active group, because with Japanese music, a lot of my favorite Japanese groups had already disbanded or didn't really release music anymore. So I didn't have the mindset of, oh, this is things you need to watch out for. So just randomly find a new 21 song every now and then. And I was like, oh fascinating. So it wasn't until some time before I'm the Best was released that I really started like following their every release. Because I knew I followed them before that, but I can't really remember anything from it. But 21 and also Big Bang were the first K-pop groups I actually cared about. At least cared enough to like learn their names, figure out who is who and stuff. Because I call myself kind of a fake K-pop fan because I don't have the energy to care enough to learn people's names and stuff. I'm really, really bad at actually putting off the time to learning people's names. So yeah, they were pretty a big group for me. I don't try to force anybody to like them because I know their music doesn't age well. Like, unless you listened to 21 songs when they came out, you're probably not gonna like them that much now because they just don't age well. They weren't made to age. <laughs> Pretty sad, but... That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that before, but then I'm thinking about what other artists were producing music in that time, and it's like, oof, they all kind of had something that was like, that clearly belongs in that time period. That's not really so popular now. Yeah, like the auto Yeah, it goes back to that whole thing, like, people jump on a trend, and then... The whole industry sounds like that for a while, and that's a lot of the music that came out around then, but I don't know. Some of it's good, yeah, and it, well, you can still listen to yeah. it now without being like, I don't know, do you want to be at a 2010 party? or? <laughs> <laughs> well, and also I think it depends on, were you into the group or into K-pop before the track came out, or did you come in afterwards, or just that was your entrance into it? Oh I think yeah, that definitely. that also changes your perception of it, because- my perception of Super Junior, for instance, I absolutely hated the third album. I was so disappointed when Sorry Sorry came out. Like, I thought the, the dance moves were awesome, but the music video was so dumb and I hated it. That's one of those that really shocked me if it was sticking to a trend. But then again, if you listen to B.E.G.'s old stuff versus Abracadabra, that was also kind of shocking. Well, yeah, but Brown Eyed Girls, they had a completely different concept in the start, where they weren't supposed to be the highlight of the group because they were a hidden group, so nobody was supposed to know who each individual member was. And then they were like, this isn't really working out. Let's try something completely different. 
and it worked. And they have such good music videos, like the Abracadabra music video, Cleansing Cream, Sign. If you want a good storyline in your music videos, they're absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I don't understand. We've seen it time and time again where it doesn't work well when you try to either have like a hidden member or try to make the personality like cold and oh you don't talk. And it's like that always goes poorly for the members every single time. You need to stop this companies. It do- it never bodes well. Like with Jejun for instance, he was very unpopular at debut of TVXQ because of that image. Or Jin from BTS as well, where they were just like, oh, just just don't talk and don't show your personality. Don't don't be, you know, outgoing. Just be the visual, even though we will never feature you anywhere. It's like, okay, then you've wasted their time. You are doing a strategy that never works well. No, I'm just going to say that. I was trying to think. No, because you that see that once they show their true personalities, people start loving them. Well, the only upside I can think of is that then that becomes fuel for fans to hate the company. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, maybe it's just, you know, people I hung around with. It was pretty open that everyone was like, yeah, at some point, DBSK is going to leave SM. It's like, they're kind of garbage to certain members. And when Jaejung said, oh, okay, I'm leaving, it's like, what a shock. Not, But then it was that split that was shocking. It's like, of all the groups... To not stay together, you would never would have imagined it would be them. But then, of course, there's an issue with certain artists where they're so loyal to the company, even when the company has reached its limits with them. Like, if you compare the duo after the three left became JYJ, the music really, it, it didn't become as innovative anymore. In my mind, it stagnated, which is really disappointing because they're very talented folks. It all just kind of shows how extremely manufactured this type of music we like is because it's all extremely fake like barely any k-pop idol who's in a group chooses the group they're in yeah. they can hate each other for all we know because they have to like each other you can't not like each other so most of them are probably <laughs> great actors because i wouldn't be surprised if many k-pop idols despise each other without ever letting the public know because that's their job they have to like each other they have to work Mm -hmm. well together and they have to act the way their company wants them to act i feel like the difference in idols between the groups that like we really remember and think of fondly versus ones where we're like oof or don't remember really depend on a if the members come to sort of respect each other it's like you're not my best friend but I do want to work with you professionally. Like I think about people who are in that role, I think are Jackie's and Xinhua. Like those are two groups who have mentioned that, yeah, we don't exactly get along at times, but because we've been together for so long and we understand each other and we genuinely like making music together, we're going to set that down just because we enjoy it, even if we don't agree. But then you've got groups where... It obviously also, it depends on management. Management that is like, you will fit into this and we're following all the trends and we're going to pick your songs for you and we're going to pick your choreography for you and you can only be on these shows, that sort of thing. Those are the ones that I feel like, those are the ones that end, like, badly. Those are the ones that are considered to be one-hit wonders who don't last in the long term. The long-term artists tend to be the ones where the company gives some sort of freedom or some sort of marketing to show how individual something to step out from it. I'm not necessarily sure how true that is, really, because you have bigger groups like, for instance, Twice, 
who are extremely manufactured, like every other K-pop group that ever exists. It's nothing bad that they are this way, but I also don't feel like they have a lot of control over what they're doing. This might just be super conspiracy theory here, but they have their own management just specifically for their group. I don't think they choose anything that they do by themselves. But they're still really good and doing amazingly. Well, we're still looking at TWICE, though, because they're currently active and are popular. But when it comes down to years down the line, what are people going to think? That's that's what I'm mainly concerned with. It's like, yeah, you're in the news today, but then tomorrow it's like, oh, we liked you at one point? Hmm. I remember when Seven debuted. Seven was the boy. Like, everyone loved Seven. Like, he was everywhere. Everyone was trying to dance to his songs and stuff like that. And he was in The Palace 2 or Gung 2, Princess Hours 2, whatever you call it. But then when it was more like the military stuff and him going to the US, people were just like, we don't like Seven anymore. Then it became popular to hate Seven. So even if they're right now, the biggest thing, it's like everyone wants a piece of him. It's like, okay, years down the line, what are people going to think? Especially certain groups that haven't lost a member yet that either could be A, they're going to stay together because they just genuinely enjoy it or... B, because they haven't had enough time to where they could leave. So it, I think it really just depends. Because we might have a very different conversation about twice, two to three years from now. That's true. Like, you also saw the shift in Girls' Generation when they went from being not known to being disliked to being... I don't want to say the nation's girl group, but... They're up there. Yeah. I think we discussed this before about there how there's a bell curve with k-pop where it's like okay the company's full force helping you out let's try to figure out how to put you in there and then they get to a point where the company just which is off. i think a lot of xols would say that's what's happened with exo they just kind of let them drop yeah. off the face of the earth even though members are doing solo activities and like lay has been in china for how many years now he wasn't even at the chicago concert he couldn't be at it i think there were some political things happening at that time people just feel like exo has been put on the back burner and nct is at the forefront right now and i mean nct is getting a lot of exposure in america so i think there's also just a big generational thing that's happening now it's very different with social media it's different with k-pop being more of a thing in america and in other countries just with exposure and people care i guess elsewhere like people can be casual fans of k-pop i feel like before at least from what i've heard because i'm the newest of you all here but just it sounded like people were either all in or they're like ah k-pop no pretty much (laughs) well it depends on where you were whereas once again that cable show that i watched that introduced me k-pop it went off the air about a year after i started getting into k-pop so if I want a new music, I'd have to go to Yes Asia, and it's like, I know this artist, I will trust them, and I will just buy their new CD yeah. because it's them. Like, I did that with SG Wannabe, I did that with Turtles, and there's one or two other groups where I did it for, it's like, oh, they have a new album on, and I haven't heard it, it could be absolute garbage, oh well, I'm buying it anyway, and I'll find out if it's good or not, and sometimes it was very bad. Like, Lee Jung, I loved his first album. Second album, very interesting. Hadn't heard it's like, okay, that's new, haven't heard anything. Then the third one came out and I'm like, what happened? Ugh, same with seven. Like he was one of those where it's like he was either a hit or miss, and so I stopped getting his albums. 
So I think though, with a lot of artists, it's, we can say things now because they're popular now, they're active now, but when the companies decide to put them on the back burner or something happens or members leave or whatever, that will really show the long term of what people think. All right, guys, thank you for listening to us talk about how we got into K-pop. You can let us know how you got into K-pop at our Twitter, which is at K-pop You can also find us at our website and our Tumblr. Links to everything will be in our show notes, and we hope you will tune in next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.